1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com.
0: Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, this week on Catch and Shoot 2.0, out with the old and in with the new as the second round of the NBA playoffs are here. Can we use that same old slash new cliche with some of the big off-the-court news in both the professional and the college ranks? The Celtics shake things up on the bench and front office, and while Coach K announces he will step away from Duke after this upcoming season, we also do a deep dive on both those stories from the man who broke the Coach K news and also keeps his eye on the team in green. But first, Darlene, let's get to it. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and
1: white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will
0: win the championship. Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> His partner is Otto Strong, a man who's covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas. Welcome to Catch 2.0. I am Aaron Berlin, along with my partner. He is the one. He is the only. His name is Otto Strong. And Otto, have you fully recovered yet from all the Mavs news?
2: I, I, I have not because we're we're actually still making it. Uh as 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 our, our good listeners know we we uh record this on Monday and uh we're we're getting some Mavs news about uh Luca wanting a, a super max contract with uh with the
0: Mavs. But I am put
2: that to the put that on the on the second burner for a second.
0: Well well hold on real quick. Have you gotten any sleep since last week?
2: Oh like right, next to none, but it's all but it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> we got, you know, I I could talk to you all day long about TCU baseball and and uh, you know, gymnastics at uh, at Dickey's Arena.
0: Hey, um, hey, hey! But- those Horned Frogs are very important. They've had a good baseball team for a long time. Fun ballpark too. When yeah. you're actually back in the Fort Worth area, you have to go.
2: Yeah, they had they had a nice one, but you know, yeah. So,
0: <laughs> but
2: uh, but yeah, my, so my big three. Um, I don't think people know that that uh, Knicks fan, growing up, uh, Lakers fan, my kind of middle years, Le- yeah, LeBron fan, Lakers fan, and and obviously my adopted home team, the Mavs. So. All three are now out, <laughs> and uh, you know that's that's such his life. It's you know as you said, out with the old and in
0: with the new. Yeah, right. and so 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 the interesting thing is, you know, Luca was phenomenal in that entire series, and right, that's that's what we were talking last week with T.J. Messier. Yeah. It's just how good he's been and how much was expected of him. And it really felt like, and I've read a lot of interesting articles about this that people who have opinions that, you know, the first four years that rookie scale contract is kind of getting his feet wet, getting him used to the NBA culture, you know, getting him the idea of what it means to be a Maverick and represent the city of Dallas. But this summer, you touched on it on the front. Today, he comes out and he says that he expects to sign a Supermax contract with the Mavericks. He'd be the first player, by the way, I believe coming off his rookie scale contract that would be eligible for 200 million more, right? Mm -hmm. Like like, like you would be the one to know those numbers more than I do, but based off his All-NBA numbers, his All-Star selections, things of that nature, everything that goes into that whole scenario. But it's like now, the second he signs that deal, the clock is ticking, right? Like Dallas has to figure out what works with their roster, who's staying, who's going, and how they get better.
2: Well, no, absolutely. I mean, they have a ton of questions. I mean, you know, first, just going to kind of uh, do a, a little bit of a rewind on, on the series in Game 7. L- look, Luca filled it up. There's no question. Yeah. That's undeniable. And we
0: were, we were both of the agreeance that, you know, if he rests, what was it, Game 6, we if would you, be okay with that? You,
2: the rest, I mean, I was, I was going so crazy. It's like, uh, if you were to rest Game 5, I give you a risk yeah. game five and get, you know, get a hundred percent and, you know, just have go off on game six and game seven. But he showed us all that he, he was, you know, wasn't as hurt as he might've been. I, I got to say, as, a, as an aside, I laughed when I got an alert on my phone. Uh, it said Lucas probable for game seven. This was like yesterday at like noon. Yeah. Lucas probable for game seven. I'm like, come on. <laughs> Lucas
0: playing. Lucas playing. There's no way he's not going to play. <laughs>
2: probable I mean that's like okay it's like it's probable that I might you know take in oxygen today like you know like, it's dude it's gonna happen but um for, for all that he was able to do and all the stats and all the, I mean just cr- tremendous shooting and then you know and passing the ball as well I still you know again just get like bothered by some of the small stuff that you know if it's anybody else we're probably saying okay well he's a 22 year old kid who's been in the league three years, but
0: yeah, i mean, yes, He's been a professional like, since 16. He's like, right?
2: he was an MVP of a league at, year, at age 18. So like, like smacking guys in the backcourt and picking up a foul or just some of the passes when, when you need a bucket and you know, you know, there are times in the game where you're going to you know, do the football pass and wait, right, so let's see what happens. And there are the times like, no, we need to be, we need to be within striking distance of these guys and throwing a Hail Mary or kind of a no look is just not the, not the time. And so, so I just, I was a little disappointed in some of that. I mean, I'm not saying that that wouldn't have prevented the, the lopsided win, uh, you know, the Clippers in game seven. But, you know, I thought that, you know, game six was certainly winnable and was the years, the years for the taking. And so, um, you know, I, I did some, did a little bit of digging. I went back to, you know, what LeBron did in 2006 and 2007. So 2006 first year in the playoffs, beats Washington 4-2, loses to Detroit 4-3. Next year, 2007, the year they get to the finals, Beats Washington four zero and then again Detroit in the Western and the Eastern Conference Finals wins four two. My parallel here is so Luca got beat in six games last year and now in seven games. Now I'm not saying yeah. a whole bunch of reasons the league is different yet the bubble last year this year, but you know you, you would have liked to have seen um, a little bit more progression. But I you know anything more than. Pro- Any more progression than winning game, you know, than than losing four three would have been winning the series four three against the Clippers team that was, in many people's eyes, destined for the NBA Finals. So I'm not saying it should have happened, but it would have been a a huge, huge, um, huge, huge lift. But you know, uh, uh, enough of my my Mavericks tirade.
0: Well, no, so so there's there's something to be said about winning a series, right? Like the the fact that he's been to two NBA playoffs now and has yet to win a series. That that's a big deal, especially for a player that. I would say comfortably a lot of people would say fringe top 5 player definitely top 10 player in the league right now is that fair to say
2: no 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 doubt but i think the, i think the first thing i mean you you could talk about the taking a taking a silly foul or or a shot selection or, or lack of ball movement at at certain times um, but at some point, you you got to You got to get down to the you know those two little dirty letters in the alphabet, KP. Like yeah. Chris Prozingis, we're with it. With it, F are you, man? Like you know,
0: that's that's you know that's amazing. Because uh, I was thinking about that yesterday. You know, the 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 day they pulled that trade off, like mm-hmm. Tim Hardaway Jr. was seen as a salary dump, right? Like he was there to balance out contracts, mm-hmm. and it's been the exact opposite. He's yeah, been the one yeah. that they've leaned on. And that's the problem is like, where has Chris Stapp's Porzingis gone? Like, like, this is a guy that a few years ago, everybody was saying he is like a unicorn. He's a top 15 player. You know, he is a gazelle out there. Yeah. And it is a shell of yeah. what I think a lot of NBA people thought he was going to be, Look, which if, is a shame.
2: If, you know, you're exactly right. And if they had a, a slice of that Porzingis from, from, from the Knicks years, yeah, uh, You know, they're, they're in the second round. I mean, and, and who, knows, who knows what would have happened last year, not to mention what would have happened this season. Are they, you know, are they the four seed? Are they somehow better than, uh, you know, are they, are they at home court? But, which, which, which for them would have been a bad thing. But
0: <laughs> so, so the, the, the best part about any time a team loses, right, is you get the immediate um, overreaction and then kind of things settle and the dust settles and you kind of start picking apart the roster and where they can get better. Yeah do the Mavs have to bring in an all-star level veteran player, not someone who is in the same age group as Luca, right? Like what is Luca 22? So like that 22 to 25 range, but maybe someone who's more like 24 to 29 to help maybe balance out some of his characteristic issues that have popped up.
2: Well, again, I, 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 you know, we look at his chronological age and we look at his, at his professional basketball age, and the two just don't match up. Or yeah. Um So, so that's one issue. The other issue, while well, I mentioned LeBron before, uh, you know, and the haters out there could say whatever they want. LeBron played in the Eastern Conference at a time when, you know, you basically for, for any LeBron-led team had a rubber stamp. You know, in those years, had a rubber stamp to at least the you know, the East semis. Um, yeah. You know, the, the the first round was like a layup line. Um, but but now you're in the Western Conference in in today's Western Conference. Where you what do we know? We know the Warriors are going to be back the full vengeance next year. Uh, the Lakers will be healthy. I mean they'll be older, but they'll be healthy, and, and that should account for something. And they may make a move or two. I don't know whether they can do. I don't know. Clippers. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Phoenix should be just as good. Denver should be just as good as better. And Portland's about to uh, maybe blow it up. So yeah. I don't know. You know, to to think that well, our path is going to get we're, we're Dallas. Our path is going to get easier next year. Uh-uh. They're going to get, they're going to need to make some some major moves, and I, I'm not exactly sure where they, you know, where they go to to do that. I know that Carlisle is staying, or at least that's what you know Mark Cuban has said that uh, point blank. Carlisle, he wants Carlisle to stay, and I'm sure he probably will. So, so you know, where, where do we go from here?
0: Yeah, you know, to to build off that point, you started running through those list of Western Conference teams, and. The pecking order this year was kind of like, when the Lakers are healthy, it was Lakers, Clippers were kind of, I think the people, the ones that everyone thought was top tier and then who was having really good seasons, who were really good teams were the Nuggets and the Suns. Mm-hmm. My pecking order for the West next year going off, nothing that's happened in the offseason or will happen. I don't think the Lakers are a top three team next year in the West. And I think part of it is, the natural coming of age isn't the right word, but the natural progression of father time finally affecting LeBron, right? Like injuries are going to happen from LeBron moving forward. That's, that's part of the reality. It's part of him getting older. It's part of just the wear and tear that his body's gone on for what, 18 seasons in the NBA and how many additional miles of playoff games that he's played and a shortened 72 uh, or in a 72 game sprint this year in an off season that included, what was it like 70 plus days for him? So, yeah. a very short offseason. Like what he did this year was phenomenal. But after his injury, he never looked the same. Didn't have the same explosiveness, regardless of how good he was. And so, it almost feels like because of how constrained the Lakers are with their cap situation, I don't know how they get better. They can't bring in a lead guard, they can't acquire an all star. They have almost no trade assets when it comes to draft picks etc you're leaning on fringe guys that aren't going to help an aging LeBron and a fragile Anthony Davis
2: right you're, no you're, you're exactly right you know in, in a conference that is just getting uh, is, deeper and better um and and you know LeBron's coming back from injury so is AD but then again so is Jamal Murray uh, Then again so will Chris, you know Chris Paul you know it's it's you know there there are going to be teams that are just going to be Running and gunning, and I, and I, you know, honestly, do a better job. To me, be, do a better job of sharing the ball and playing that game, as opposed to you know the, the, that ground and pound. Sometimes we see that a little bit too much. I, I kind of cringe every time I see that. You know, let's just, let's just grind this out for the first 18 seconds of the shot clock, and then try to make something happen in the last five to six seconds. Can't stand that personally. But um, there's, so, I mean, there's so many other. Uh, so, I mean, I, so big question mark to Lakers. I, I, I'll I'll, go, I'll agree with you on on them not being a top three. Um, I don't know what you would say is, what would you say is the most intriguing team coming into, you know, with the off season and, ne- and the next season in the West?
0: It's probably going to be what Portland does over the course of the off season, right? Because they've gotten rid of Terry Stotts and Terry Stotts would staple there. And if you ask anyone within the Portland front office or the Portland support staff, everybody loved Terry Stotts there. Like he bled the Blazers and, what they do with that roster because they have two really good (laughs) lead guards that I think anybody in the NBA would love to have. I think anybody would take CJ McCollum and I think anybody would love and be fortunate to have Dame. Like full, full disclosure, uh, uh, we've already taped the Jeff Goodman piece of this. So there's a part in it where we ask how the Celtics get better this coming year. And my first thought is you go acquire Dame Lillard if he's available. And that should be every team's mindset this summer that wants a lead guard or that wants a game changer. You go get Dame Willard. And yeah, you do no, I mean, anything you can to get Dame Willard.
2: No, I look like I hear you. I, I think I think Dame's got got that other kind of kind of chip in him that basically is, you know, um well first off he's a promoter and you know the thing too, I think he does I think I feel like he would regard leaving as somehow a failure and that you know he would want i feel like he would want to make portland work that doesn't mean yeah. that he won't go to another western conference team if if nothing's happened with portland i mean if that's if that's even something that you know could it could happen depending on but i, but I feel
0: like portland's tried to make it work haven't they like they've done their best You know, with some of their deadline moves to one improve their defense offensively, they've been outstanding for the last few years, but it's been their defensive numbers that have just killed them each and every year. And so, maybe that's like a mindset for them. Maybe with Terry Stotts out, they go get someone like a Steve Clifford who just stepped away from the Magic's uh, role and has been a defensive minded guy and who wants to win. So, maybe that's a fit. I don't know, but there's something to be said that they haven't been able to get really past the first few rounds with Dame and C.J. McCollum as their lead guards. Oh, no, without a doubt. Uh,
2: talking about a team that has kind of you know, been there and, and tried to get through to a team that is uh, still on the, on the rise. I'm not saying the Blazers aren't, but a team that's clearly on the rise, your Memphis Grizzlies. I you know how you love your John <laughs> yeah, I, so
0: I, I think I said this last week, and it's so funny that like, we just got done talking about Dame Lillard because I see a lot of Dame Lillard in John Morant. You know, like there's parallels between – well, Ja went to uh, Murray State and it it escapes me the name where Dame went. It's a small school in Utah just down the road from Salt Lake City. Where was it? Weber State. Yeah, Weber State. And so, like, there's so many parallels with the way that they play and the aggressiveness of what they play with. Obviously, Ja I think, is a next-level athlete compared to Dame where Dame does a lot more of his off-the-bounce kind of shoot and gun. But the Grizz are exciting, man. And I think this is just the starting start for them. And here's a, here's a thought why don't the Grizz go out and acquire Dame Willard? What would you think of that? You have Dame Willard playing alongside Ja Morant. Is that not must see TV every night? Ooh, wow. Um, you, have a, you have a guy that will gladly take you off the bounce every time in Ja. And then you have a guy who will hit you with the dagger every time in Dame.
2: Just mind blown. You just- you just, you just went there. Wow. Grizz
0: have the assets, too, and they have the cap space, just saying.
2: That's, that's intriguing. That is intriguing. Well, how about we uh, put a pin in that we uh, get ready to talk some Celtics and, uh, and Coach K. Let's do it. So we had two big off-the-court stories in the world of basketball last Wednesday. One was Danny Ainge retiring as president of basketball operations with the Celtics, promoting head coach Brad Stevens into the position. The other was Mike Krzyzewski as he steps away from being Duke's head coach. Hard to believe. (laughs) Anyway, uh, he will step down after the 21-22 season, and assistant coach John Shire, former player, will set to uh, take his place. So it made for a very busy day for our guest, stadium basketball analyst and Field of 68 podcast host, Jeff Goodman. Uh, Jeff broke the news of Coach K stepping down, and Jeff also co-hosts the appropriately named Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman NBA podcast and is a frequent guest around Boston talking Celtics and all all measure of hoops Jeff welcome
1: thanks for having me guys I appreciate it and uh yeah it was a uh, kind of a fun crazy um you know one of those days you just don't prepare for like just came out of nowhere absolute nowhere I didn't know either were coming when I woke up that morning, that either were going to happen that day. So it was just – it was cool. I mean, listen, we we all like the off season a little bit, and this is, you know, slower for me. Uh, Wednesday was anything but slow.
0: Okay, Jeff, uh, you know, that's, it's amazing to me because I think we had all – kind of had an idea of maybe that there were remnants and there were ideas that Ainge might step away. I don't think anybody had any idea that Brad Stevens would assume a front office position, but let's maybe start with the Coach K stuff. When did you start hearing that maybe retirement was a possibility for him? Maybe not this year, but just when did that start to kind of trickle down?
1: A couple months ago was the first time I kind of heard of it, you know, and obviously when Roy retired. Uh, Roe Williams, you know, I, I think it started to pick up a little bit more steam talking about Coach K and what had happened this year and, you know, John Shire kind of going after the DePaul job. So once you see those things happening, you start to say, OK, if Shire wants out and, and he's trying to get the DePaul job, how much is this assigned? Nate James, their other assistant, got the job at Austin P, a head job, which is not a great, great job like some other former Duke assistants have gotten. You know, Chris Collins gets a power five. Steve Wojciechowski gets Marquette. So you're kind of reading the tea leaves here a little bit. But it picked up a lot in the days probably, you know, a week or so before you start to hear it a couple times uh, and and you figure, all right, there's something to this. For me, it was more of when. When they were going to put something out. You know, you could – like I had a pretty good idea it was going to happen. But you don't know if he changes his mind. I've been burned enough by things of people making decisions. Like my favorite one ever is Trey Burke years ago. Trey Burke, after his freshman year at Michigan, he was the source who told me he was leaving for the NBA after one year at Michigan. I couldn't say that, but I put out, according to a source, Trey Burke is going to the NBA, clears out his his apartment, goes home, and he meets them with John Beeline, and his dad, and they convinced him, and they said, like, no, no, you're not going anywhere. You're, you're not a first-rounder. And it turned out to be the best move. But, again, things can change. So I've learned that over the years. You don't want to kind of, you know, jump the gun too much because you put out – even when I knew, and I had three sources on Wednesday, that Coach K was definitely retiring and, and telling his team at 3.30, you should have seen my, my, my hand. On the button to hit send on Twitter, when I tweeted that 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 tweet, I would, it was shaking because it's Coach K. Like <laughs> you're just like I know I'm right, but what the hell if something crazy happens between now and then? You can't miss. You can't ever be wrong on this one and again. I, I was ninety nine point nine 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 percent sure I was right, but it's just the 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 gravity of that one. Like there's a lot of them that I didn't know the gravity when I wrote or tweeted in the past. I. I Broke a story years ago about Ed Rush, uh, Pac-12, uh, in charge of the refs, putting a bounty on Sean Miller, and it actually helped me get to ESPN. I was a CBS at the time, and I didn't know when I broke it, the gravity of it. I had no idea. This one, you know the gravity of it. Like you, you, It's Coach K retiring. That's all you need to know. Coach K retiring, and you can tweet whatever the hell you want. Other than that, it, it's going to have an impact.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I I can relate a, a few times in the, over the career that, that kind of handshaking you know moment where it's like, is this really happening? Um, but let's just just dig in a little deeper. So, so the impetus for his putting the news out there, you, you feel, was um, assistance leaving and just wanted to kind of lock up and secure the future for the program. Is that is that what you're what you're saying here?
1: I no, the, the reason for him
2: retiring. I'm sorry. At this point, at this point,
1: making well, I think it was a a combination. I mean, the biggest thing was obviously his age. But the reason why he he announced it today rather than doing what Roy Williams did and just stepping down was, as he said, having a plan in place. Right? Having he he wasn't ready yet. He wanted to coach one more year. He's got this kid named Paulo Pantera who is a stud coming in this year. They're going to be good. They're not going to be like they were last year fighting just to get in the you know, NCAA tournament or being an NIT team, which is what they were. Um, so I think part of it was, hey, listen, I want to make sure that the kids that come a year from now know exactly what the plan is going to be. And we're going to have John Shire be the guy. I'll help. I'll help to make sure we get good players to sustain this thing. But, again, I, I'm going to make sure that the kids that are coming a year from now understand they're not playing for me. They're going to be playing for John Shire.
2: What do you think the farewell tour is going to be like?
1: What what do I think what?
2: The farewell tour is going to be like.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the other part. Like, everybody's like, well, is it because he wants the attention and this and that? I think that's a little bit. I do. I think, you know, every coach, you kind of want that. You go into Carolina and maybe get booed a little bit louder on that last game. Mm -hmm. Maybe they give you something pretty cool, whatever it is. But I I do think as much as anything – He is Duke, right? Like, his whole life has been spent, other than a few years at at Army, at Duke. So, and he's given it to one of his players. Like, a lot of times, guys that built programs, you know, like, did Lute Olson, for example, want Sean Miller to succeed as much as Coach K wants John Shire? And part of the reason I think K picked John Shire is because, again, and and same thing with, you know, Roy Pick and Hubert Davis, they know – now, they're always going to have that connection to the school. They're going to be able to walk into practice, right? They're going to have that access. That's what – and Kay's going to have it no matter who he picked, whether it's Brad Stevens or, or, or whatnot. Uh, but I think with Shire, it, it was an interesting one, guys, because there weren't a lot of guys that were really had, – had emerged. Yeah. You know, I thought Steve Wojciechowski would be the guy. I really did because that was like – that's like Kay's favorite son. But he doesn't have a job right now. He's fired at Marquette. Chris Collins has been awful lately. Jeff Capel's been awful at Pitt. So, really, who are you talking about? You're talking about John Shire or Tommy Amaker, who I still don't think ever wanted the job.
0: Just, I guess, how extensive was the vetting process as they went through this coach-in-waiting scenario? And I know that's a tough situation or a tough question to ask, but and I'm sure they probably spent a month, month and a half just going through this process. But can you kind of take us through from, like, a Duke point of view? what this entailed i I, you know one of the names i think about is i live in the orlando area so obviously johnny dawkins is a big one too but just how many people were spoken to and what were those conversations like
1: yeah i don't know how many but they how about this they hired a search firm like how dumb is that like duke has to hire a search firm to talk to a bunch of duke people and a duke and hire a duke assistant who sits next to coach k the dumbest waste of money ever and i love kevin white the outgoing ad i love him but it's just pissing away money and that's what a lot of these people do. It's, it makes no sense. Now, again, you want to search for him to, like, do background checks? Normally, that's fine. John Charles on your bench. If you haven't already done a damn background check on him and you've known him since he was, you know, 15 years old when you recruited a, a, him out of Glenbrook North High School in suburban Chicago, like, just a waste. So I think they spoke to a couple people. But I think ultimately, listen, this is one man making the decision of who the next coach is at Duke and everybody else saying, okay, we'll sign off on it. And and that's all it was, was coach K saying, John Shire is the best person to run this program. And and I like it from a standpoint of John Shire is 33 years old. He can do what K and Roy and a lot of these other guys can't do anymore. Relate to kids. Like they can't really relate. Like they're okay. Like K did adapt. I'll give him credit. He's done a great job adapting over the years. He's still 74 years old. Like, like, why would Kay even want to fly around the country to go wave to a bunch of 16-year-old kids in a gym and be like, I'm here, I'm here watching you, I'm kissing your ass until I get you on campus, and he can't even kiss their ass when, like, he can't even coach him the way he wants to coach them on campus. You know, Jalen Johnson, their top freshman this past year, couldn't even coach him the way he wanted to, you know, because you got to kiss their ass because you got to make sure they're a one and dud, or else it hurts you with the next group.
0: How think? much? Well, I was just going to say to build off that, how much does the transfer portal, portal weighed on some of these uh, Hall of Fame basketball coaches now? When you know, think about Jay Wright, John Calipari, and Bill Self, all of them, except for maybe Wright, all of them had pretty heavy turnover on the rosters this year. H- how much did that weigh on that decision as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, Cade tried saying that the, the changing landscape did not have any effect in his decision. Uh, I don't completely buy it. Obviously, age was the primary factor. We know that. He's turning 75. But I do think he might have gotten another year, if not for the transfer portal exploding. There's almost 1,600 scholarship players in it. When I first started the transfer list about 15 years ago, first year I ever did it, 250 players. It's now almost 1,600. So then you've got name image, likeness coming in. I'm not saying Coach K is against name image, likeness. It's just overall having to deal with it and the scope of it. And kids think about it. Like this kid, Paulo is coming in. He's going to have plenty of endorsement opportunities. He's going to have autograph opportunities. He's going to have maybe a car dealership. He's going to have people wanting him to come to their parties and paying him 500 bucks just to show up at a party. Think of all that, that Kate's going to have to deal with with these kids and having sit them down and, and talk to them about it and worry about them staying focused. There's just so much more now with social media, with name, image, likeness, with not being able to coach a kid for four years. Like, And, and K, listen, K did it to himself a little bit because Calipari was doing it with the one and done's right? So K decided, like, well, it's my only chance right now. It, it actually backfired on both of them because, really, they've only won one title apiece. Yeah. Jay Wright has won two. By what? Getting older. Like, getting older has won. Like, being young and talented has not proven um, to really be nearly as successful as, you know, Carolina with older guys, Villanova with older guys, Baylor with older guys this past year. So, again, it's – the landscape is changing, and I think it did play a part in, in speeding up the process for Coach a, K. retiring.
2: For, before we uh, move on to the Celtics, just for kind of a look ahead, so John Shire, former player, obviously played in the Duke program, familiar with the program. What, what do you? How do you see this kind of working out for the program, uh, more so than for than for Shire individually?
1: So the crazy thing, guys, and I'm, I'm aging myself. I broke John Shire's commitment to Duke. How crazy <laughs> is that? I mean, I came up covering recruiting. Full circle, baby. Full circle. Full circle. circle. <laughs> so I've known Shire forever. So I feel like I'm probably. As uh it, you know, as uh able to, to weigh in on this as anybody, here's what I'll say. Um, and I don't know if you guys know the answer to this. How many final fours do you think Duke's been to in the last 10 years?
0: If you quick guess say, say what'd you say? I'd say two. Quick guess, I'd two? say two. That, that, that was probably my initial answer as well. Because the last five years have not been great.
1: One. One final four in ten years. They won the title. with Okafor, Justice Winslow, and Tyus Jones, but one Final Four. So, listen, can John Shire win one title in 10 years? Can he go to one Final Four? If he goes to one Final Four in five years, isn't that a major success? Right? Like, I think he can do that.
0: Well, so, so the question then becomes, Duke was synonymous with K, right? And, like, the Duke program was successful because of K. Does the Duke program still have that allure with Shire as the head coach?
1: It won't have the same. Absolutely. It won't have the same allure, but it, it'll still, to me, Duke's still Duke. Cameron's still Cameron, right? You, you yeah. still have that. Kay will still be there. You don't think Kay will pick up the phone if John Shire says, hey, coach, can you do me a favor? We're in the mix for this top ten kid. Can, you know, when he comes down, can you come to campus a little bit and just, you know, help me close the deal? Yeah lineage helps. Right. Right. So I, I think again, and I think what, what Shire getting back to what I said earlier, he can relate to these kids at 33 years old. He can absolutely relate much better than a lot. Jim, Lara right. Or you're fighting. I'm trying to think of who else they'll fight. Uh, you know, Cal Perry's a different deal, obviously yeah. in Kentucky, they, they should go back to owning recruiting. If Cal wants to have a, a fire lit under his ass, this year, after last and, year.
0: And the transfer, transfer portal now as well. Right. So I, I think Shire
1: will be fine. But again, I talk to him. Like, he understands. You can't live up to Coach K. Most guys, when I talked to all the guys that I thought would be involved in this, and I won't say, like, who, but I've already mentioned yeah. their names, right? Chris Collins, Wojo Capel, Amaker, Dawkins, all those guys. Most of them told me they're like, I pray he doesn't call me and ask me to take this shot. Like, please, I don't want to see my phone ring and see Mike Shish- Coach K on there asking me to take over for him because they all get it. Like, but John Shire's 33, he didn't get to Paul. So, if you're John Shire, you're ecstatic about this because you still got one of the best five jobs in America, maybe one of the top three jobs.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. So, so, so we're talking obviously a legacy college program. Let's go to a legacy pro program, Boston Celtics, clearly. So, um, a number of people thought the move was a little, little maybe uh, unusual with, with, with Stevens going upstairs. So, so how, how do you see this, and what, do you, what does your reporting tell you?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was shocking to me. Like, I knew Ains was going to be out, um, but I did not have any idea Brad Stevens would slide over, and I still can't believe Brad Stevens is not going to be coaching. Like, if you had told me that three, four years ago that Brad Stevens would not be coaching anywhere, I, I would have said, you're out of your mind. I mean, this is a guy who, who did – An incredible job at Butler. We know that. Like, what he did getting Butler to two straight national title games in the Horizon League, one of the greatest accomplishments in in college basketball history. Then he goes to the Celtics and takes, in my opinion, a subpar roster to the Eastern Conference Finals with Isaiah Thomas being the best player on the team. Isaiah Thomas. Like, think about that for a minute. Yeah. 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 And then it kind of catches up with him in the last year and a half. And I don't know if catches up with them is the right word, but obviously they underachieved, right? They had some issues. We know that, you know, you're in the bubble. That's a tough deal. Then this year players have told me it's much harder this year than any other year before they're testing twice every day, much harder this year than, than any year. Uh, But ultimately, and they had injuries, they had injuries, but ultimately it wasn't work. And I was, I love Brad Stevens. First of all, like, one of my favorite people I've ever been around, I've ever met doing this job, but I felt like it was time. It had just run its course with Brad Stevens and the Celtics team that they needed to make a change. So you're at a crossroads. If you're Wick Rousbeck, uh, the owner of, of the Celtics, what do you do? Do you trade a star player? Cause you, you need to do something big. Do you, do you trade a star player or do you make a move with Brad Stevens? Well, they decided that with Danny retiring, yeah, it made a whole lot more sense. You know, it wasn't working. I don't know whose idea it was, ultimately. My guess is it was Danny Ainge and Wick Rouspeck talking about it. And, and I know Danny told me that the one thing with Brad was that Wick trusts him. He trusts him. Like, everybody likes Brad Stevens. And obviously, he is so cerebral, so smart. You could say what you want about him as a coach over the last year plus – But, again, he knows their personnel. Uh, He's been involved in a ton of decisions that they've made over the years because of the relationship Danny Ainge and Brad had and, obviously, Brad's knowledge of the college game. So, draft-wise, Brad would be there. When I'd show up for workouts, Brad would be at almost every single one of them because he wanted to be. So, I think in that sense, the transition is easier for Brad Stevens. My biggest worry with Brad Stevens, the GM, is is he too nice a guy? Is he able to absolutely hose another GM without feeling guilty? With it? Can he do it? Can Brad Stevens be? Listen, you gotta have some BS in you. You gotta like Danny Ainge, he didn't give a shit. Like Danny Ainge, he didn't care who he raked in a trade. He was gonna do whatever he had to do. And and I just don't know if that's gonna be Brad.
0: Is this a clear signal that he's done with the college game for good? I mean, it would have been really easy because I I read every college message board there is, Kansas fans, Indiana fans, Kentucky fans, that they all have aspirations of Brad Stevens being their coach one day when their guy steps away, right? But is this a clear indication that he's done with the college game and that even if it doesn't work out in the front office with the Celtics, he's probably going to be an NBA head coach somewhere else?
1: Yeah, I mean, 100%. He's going to be another NBA. He's going to get another NBA head coaching job. I I think he gets it in 12 months. I I think he's a coach of another NBA team in a year. I think this is a short-term deal and Brad's away from it. and, And he enjoys part of the reason too, why this was so attractive to him is he's got two kids that are ones, I think going into his freshman year of high school, his son and his daughter's a couple of years younger. Brad is a family guy, period. And it's no BS. He is all about family. He wants to watch his son play a U ball He wants to see his daughter um, do her activities. So I think this will give him a chance to kind of step back, plan his own schedule, you know, and kind of figure it out. Obviously, you're still going to have to work hard. You're going to have to go to college games and evaluate. Uh, You're going to have to watch NBA games. But it's just different. It's a different type of of schedule. So I think, though, after a year, Brad is going to be like, you know what, I miss coaching. I'm a coach, and I'm a damn good coach. And he is. He's a really – like, I'm still surprised they didn't wait it out a little bit longer. Maybe they couldn't and find out, like, are the Pacers making a move? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's where I thought he'd go right now. I actually thought that would be the easy transition right now would be if – if The Indiana
0: fans would be so thrilled to have him back. Thrilled,
1: Like, they would think that's the greatest thing ever. And, again, Brad with that team, if they bring back – you know they what they they may lose McDermott and McConnell are their two unrestricted free agents, but they bring everybody else back. Who knows what they do with Miles Turner? You know, Karis Levert's going to get healthier. Like that Indiana team did not do nearly as well as they could have or should have this year. Sabonis was hurt, but they got some good talent on that Indiana team to build around.
2: But here's you say it that that's something that, that's a job that could happen down the line. But his his job one right now is fill in his chair. And so, I mean, where, where's your look, who's, who, who who do you, who do you think you should be, you should be looking at?
1: I mean, I would take a shot at Juwan Howard. And it's funny because I criticized the move when Michigan hired Juwan Howard. I was like, Oh, here we go again. Another (laughs) former NBA guy with a hundred million in their, in their bank account. They're going to fail because they don't want to work that hard. Juwan, everybody I've talked to has been like, wow. Like his work ethic is ridiculous. He's got some shit to him, so he'll jump guys. I, I think that's what, like, Tatum and Jalen Brown and some of these guys need. Like, that was the one issue with the Celtics, right? They dug themselves holes seemingly every game, and they just didn't play with a lot of emotion, intensity. Um, I, you know, I, Chauncey Billups, you're hearing San- – I think they have to have a former player to me, a former NBA player as the coach. I, I think they need a different type of voice – a guy that can get up in these guys. I just feel like these days, most NBA players, they're going to – honestly, they're going to respect the guy that played the game that they're playing and played at a pretty high level over the Brad Stevenses of the world. Not that they didn't respect Brad. I think he won quickly enough that, that he earned their respect, and those guys were young coming up. But, I, yeah, I think like a Chauncey Billups – you know, the big difference between Billups and Cassell – and Juwan Howard, at least, is Juwan Howard has run a – he's been a head coach for a couple of years, not in the NBA, but in college. He was a – played almost 20 years. Coach is an assistant for a while with the Heat, part of that culture. You talk to Spo. – I've talked to Spo and, and Udonis Haslam, and they both rave about his work ethic, like absolutely rave. Everybody at Michigan that I, I'm plugged in with, same thing. So I, I think, again, to me – now, now here's the caveat to it, guys. Here's why they can't get Juwan Howard. After having my whole sales pitch of this, one of Juwan Howard's sons is on the Michigan team currently. Another one is coming in two years. So I don't think Juwan Howard leaves, but damn, I try. I, I just I go hard and I see because it's like Juwan, you could have one of the best. I mean, where would you guys rank the Celtics head coaching job in the NBA right now?
0: Oh, it's, I mean, it's always one or two. It's right behind the Lakers. I'd me. even
1: say top five, right? Like, because yeah. you can't get free agents in Boston like you can some of those other places. So I'm not sure I put it at one and two. Obviously, tradition, it's one or yeah. two. But when you include everything, I'd say top five ish, which That's is fair.
0: fair. That's fair. So, so to build off that, where do the Celtics go to get better? Obviously, the skipper is one thing, the locker room relationship is another thing, but you still have to have the town on the floor where do they go
1: boy people around here kill me for this but I have said I would I would try to get Brad Beal in a deal for Jalen Brown and people crush me for it crush me but I just here's what I feel like when I watch Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown especially this season it looks like they've never played together looks like they've got no chemistry none whatsoever and Kemba It's just so unpredictable whether he's ever – and, again, another guy I love. Like Kemba is like the best dude ever. Always smiling. He's the anti-Kyrie in so many ways. But he's not as talented as Kyrie, and now he's always hurt. So you can't trade Kemba because he makes too much money. Can't get enough. You can trade Marcus Smart, but what are you going to get back for? You know? I would think Brad Stevens, being the coach that has let Marcus Smart shoot 10 threes, Daniel Tice be a three-point shooter, turned Al Hortford into a stretch five. He would let any of the three of us probably jack up five or six threes a game. I would think Brad Stevens is going to make moves to get whoever is the next coach more skilled guys, more shooters. Just just looking at it from his perspective, right? Like, Danny Ainge didn't give him enough of those guys. He gave him Fournier this year, but but it was late. It was late in the game, and they never had a chance to all four of them play uh, together. So I would say my thing with Bradley Beal is he's a better decision maker than Jalen Brown. I think Bradley Beal could average seven assists if you kind of put the ball in his hands and let him play through Bradley Beal, and he has more around him. The other thing is Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum are like brothers. They went to the same high school, Chaminade High School in St. Louis. They're boys. Like it's, Bradley Beal's a big brother to Tatum. So the chemistry, I think, would be there as well. Now, Beal's making a lot more money. That's the issue. Jalen Brown, they actually have on the cheap, comparatively speaking. But I I would I would look that avenue if Bradley Build demands a trade.
2: Um, got a lot, got a lot of, lot of stuff going on there. Um, switching to the uh the playoffs right now, what do you what are you seeing? What are you what are you uh any storylines? Anything interesting popping off to you?
1: I mean, the big storyline is it's wide open. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't know who's gonna win it all right now. I mean, you know, James Harden's hurt again, no surprise there. We didn't think the big three would get through unscathed. I don't think anybody did from injury since all three of them have injury issues. Um, You know, LeBron out right now. You know, listen, you know, Milwaukee in that first game looked like garbage. Um, I think it's wide open. And I think that's the beauty of it this year. Could Utah win the title? Why not? Right? Like, why not? I mean, most people are going to say Milwaukee, Brooklyn, winner is probably going to be the the pick. That's what most people, I think, are going to go with at this point. Um, You know, Philly looked like garbage in that first game to Atlanta. I don't see Atlanta getting – I still think Philly figures it out, and I think you got to put Ben Simmons on Trey Young. Ben Simmons is still the fastest player his size I've ever seen. Like, I saw him back in high school. I've seen him at LSU. I've seen him with the Sixers. I've never seen anybody faster with the ball in his hands at his size. Uh, So I would put him on Trey Young, try something different. And maybe Trey Young will get right by him like he does everybody else right now. But but I would go that route. And in the West, it's fun because I think they're all – you could throw all four kind of in a hat right now. Like I have no idea who's going to come out of the West.
0: Well, awesome, Jeff. Uh, to be honest, I have nothing else. This has been great. Love your platform. The Field of 68 podcast is a must listen to for anyone out there. Real quick, before we let you go, if you haven't noticed, I'm a Jayhawk fan. I went to KU from Lawrence. and live in the Orlando area now. Can you just give me a quick 60 seconds on what you think the Jayhawks will be next year and what Bill Self has done?
1: Yeah, I mean, the big thing, obviously, is I think they'll be quicker. You know, they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll be faster. They've got speed at the point guard spot. That's going to be the biggest thing. I think uh, Agbaji's probably going to leave. I'd be surprised if he comes back. Uh, And that's why they got Jalen coleman lands the transfer from Iowa State, to come in and make shots in in case Agbaji leaves. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. The big Kansas thing is obviously with the NCAA. What happens there? And uh, is Bill Self the next coach of the San Antonio Spurs like so many think he might be because of his relationship with with R.C. Buford? I I don't know. But I think I'll tell you one thing. I think Bill Self is one hell of a basketball coach. Like most, when you talk to people that are plugged in coaches in in college basketball, they, a lot of them will say Bill Self is the best X's and O's guy in all of college basketball.
0: I've heard the same about Chris Beard as well, too. Love so him. that was another good hire for UT. Yep. Jeff, thanks so much for your time, for everything. You can follow him at Goodman Hoops. He's one of the best. If you want to know what's going on in the transfer portal, you've had everyone <laughs> in touch all offseason long, man. We appreciate it.
1: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, and uh, have a great summer.
0: That was dope. Oh! Special thanks to Jeff Goodman for joining us. Always a good time. And you know, I always have to ask my question about KU Hoops. But in in regards to what was really kind of the biggest story day, I think, that we've had in basketball circles in a long time, you get Brad Stevens stepping away from the bench to go to a front office role. You get Danny Ainge leaving. And then you get probably the greatest coach in college basketball history uh, officially stepping away after next season. What was your one big takeaway that you saw?
2: Uh, I mean, look, you know, Coach, coach k you know, Stephen away i mean it's like i i feel like everybody has got a, a coach coach k story or like i mean i specifically don't <laughs> but uh and i feel like the you could you could it's just i feel, i guess the one thing i would say about that is like you know if you're a basketball fan and you've been a basketball fan over the last you know 25 40 years whatever it's hard not to have a moment like so for me my my coach k story would be you know the 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 turnaround, Jay the Leitner hits like and so that's how everyone has a relationship with that program or maybe it's the, it's the Olympic gold medals uh, and and what he was able to do and kind of write the ship and, and 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 chart a new course for for what it means to be a a member of the U.S. uh, uh men's basketball team in the United States. So like that those are th- those are those are kind of like those are that's that's in, where I went to in my in my my heart and my mind. So
0: yeah, those those were yeah good stuff and yeah I, I don't really have much of a coach case story but i am interested and this was one of the reasons that i asked jeff goodman kind of what happens with the lineage of the duke basketball program moving forward is if you look at it as kind of like a 300 viewed outlook of how some of these college programs have been built right like you look at Carolina, you look at Kentucky, you look at maybe not so much Indiana today, but there's been sustained success from coach to coach, right? Like prior to Duke and Coach K, like Duke hadn't had much success. I'm interested to see how John Shire kind of leads over the course of the next five years, because I think he's going to get at least five years. He has to get five years because he's handpicked by Coach K. So it'll be interesting to see, one, if he can get this program to another final four in those five years and two, what the role of Duke is moving forward from a recruiting standpoint, because I think a lot of the culture is still in place and it will remain, but I'm interested to see without the coach K name on the sideline, if Duke can continue to get the same level of recruits that it can, because if I'm saying this, and if this is my opinion, Carolina, is a much easier job to win at than Duke is. Kentucky is a much easier job to win at than Duke is. Kansas is an easier job to win at than Duke is because you don't have the academic restrictions that Duke has. And so I'm very interested to kind of watch that play out over the course of the next five years. And I think we can revisit this if we're still doing this show five years later of you know what has the role of john shire been and how has he been the guy that replaced the guy because there's always that saying like you don't want to be the guy that replaces the guy you want to be the next guy and a lot of people think that's what brad stevens will be eventually they think he'll be the head coach at duke when this is all said and done i don't buy it i think he'll be an nba head coach i think he'll stay in the nba and it's where he wants to be and it's where he should be all right let's go time to stick the landing hey. That'll be a lot of fun to follow. But I do want to say as we close this out, big props, not only to Jeff Goodman, a stadium and the field of 68 for discussing both the Celtics and coach K leaving Duke after next season. I also want to give a huge tip of the cap to our producer, Daniel Kramer, and to our editor, Kristen Woolley. Daniel was the one who actually booked Jeff Goodman today. So Thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. And also big ups to our king of content. He is the chief content officer and our executive producer of catch and shoot. His name is Bruce Bernstein. As for the rest of the pure hoops media has to offer this week, the Mike Weiss show each week brings you entertaining takes, incredible stories and high level guests. Full Court with Fisher and K has plenty of great college hoops talk each and every week. And how about the A-lister? Monica McNutt and King McCourt, they bring buckets, boards, and blocks with you every single Thursday. And we wrap things out with our flagship show. It is the BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman as they have Pure Hoops podcast on Friday. And Otto and I are back every single Tuesday with Catch and Shoot 2.0 for your NBA news and nuggets. We're getting closer to our
2: big hope for this year that every person on the planet gets the COVID vaccine so we could finally put an end to this pandemic. But we're not there yet. So protect yourself and others by wearing a mask, washing your hands, and maintaining social distance. Don't forget the medical professionals and the other frontline workers who are doing their part to keep us safe. So from my partner, Aaron Bruin, I'm out of Strong. See you next week. Captain Shoots 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.